So we're looking at 1 John chapter 1, and we're reading verses 5 to 10 today. It says, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I can live with the snow and the cold uh, of the winters that we have here in Buffalo, but I, what I really have trouble with is the darkness. I really have trouble waking up in the morning and it's dark out and you're trying to get your bearings about you and just everything is dark. And then you go to work and maybe come home and by the time you get home, it's dark at like 4.30. And for me, it's hard to handle, it's a psychologically hard to handle from the time that you get home to the time you go to bed it's dark. And darkness can have a lot of effects on us. It can affect us emotionally. Uh, many of us struggle with seasonal depression and those kind of things. It can even affect us physically. It can cause us to be more lethargic. We want to sleep more, maybe don't want to do as much. So darkness has uh, a significant effect on us, and darkness has even been used as a form of torture. Uh, there's a book uh, called Between the Darkness and the Daylight, and in in that book, John Critister says this. He says, Psychologists tell us that one of the most difficult conditions a person can be forced to bear is light deprivation. He says, Darkness is, in fact, is often used in military captivity or penal institutions to break down an individual's sense of self. Once the person becomes disoriented, once they lose a sense of where they are and what it is that lurks in the dark around them, or where the next crevice or wall or attack may be coming from, once they can no longer feel in control of their physical surroundings, a person loses a sense of self. Every shed of self-confidence shrivels. The giant within them falls, and they become whimpering prey of the unknown. The natural instinct to be combative is paralyzed by fear. The spirit of resistance weakens. The prisoner becomes more pliable, more submissive, more willing to take directions. It disarms a person. This falls into the sinkhole of sensory deprivation. It can drive them to madness. It is, every military knows, an effective technique. Nothing does more than darkness to isolate us from the sense of human support and understanding, which, whether we're commonly conscious of it or not, is the human being's main source of self-definition. Indeed, darkness separates us from reality. It disorients a person both physically and psychologically. Darkness has a significant effect on us. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in a place like Burrow, Alaska, one of the most northern cities in the United States, or Tromso, Norway, where it gets, it's dark for basically two months out of the year. And while darkness can have a profound physical and psychological and emotional effect on us, it can also have a profound spiritual effect. And when I'm talking about this kind of darkness, I'm not talking about physical darkness, but spiritual darkness. The accomplished science fiction writer and futurist H.G. Wells lived through the dark days of the Blitz in uh, London during World War II. And another writer named Elizabeth Barron went outside one day and found H.G. Wells shaking with fear. She assumed it was because of the bombs that were coming down all around him. But he said, it's, it's not the bombs, it's the dark. He says, I've always been afraid of the dark. 
Darkness has a way of disorienting us, and throughout the past year, we've experienced a lot of darkness, a lot of things that have disoriented us, that have caused us to question a lot of things. And many, even most people in our world, I believe, walk and live in darkness. The rapper Eminem sums it up this way in his uh, song called Darkness, which I don't recommend you listen to, but... He, he illustrates this point. He says, here I am alone again. Can't get out of this hole I'm in. It's like the walls are closing in. You can't help me. No one can. I can feel these curtains closing in. I go to open them, but something pulls them closed again. Hello, darkness, my old friend. What is darkness? Darkness is a depression that won't lift that leads us to the point where we contemplate taking our own life. Darkness is anxiety, fear that is paralyzing us, that overwhelms us. Darkness is the pain of saying goodbye to someone we love. Darkness is the addiction that we just can't get over, we just can't quit. Darkness is anger and bitterness towards someone who's wronged us that we just can't move on from. The Bible, the scriptures talk a lot about darkness. Darkness in the scripture is always something that's negative, or almost always. Darkness represents a lot of different things in the scripture. It represents ignorance. It represents walking in sinfulness. It represents the absence of the presence of God. It represents the wrath of God. It also represents death. In the book of Job, chapter 1, or chapter 10, Job describes it this way. Are not my days few? Then cease and leave me alone that I may find a little cheer before I go, and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order, where light is as thick as darkness. So darkness represents a lot of different things in the Scripture, almost always negative, and death is one of those things. So how does that relate to the Easter story? As we look at the Easter story, Luke tells us that as Jesus was being crucified, darkness came over the face of the land. And this was in the middle of the day. It was dark in the middle of the day. And as Jesus is being crucified, there is darkness, and then he dies, and then he's put into a cold, dark tomb. And then three days later, at the break of dawn, Jesus' disciples go to the tomb and find this incredible news that Jesus has risen from the grave that he's conquered darkness once and for all through the cross and resurrection. And we live in very dark times. There's a lot of things around us that can disorient us, that can disarm us. But the question is, are we going to live in darkness or are we going to live in the light? And really, it's not dependent upon what's happening around us. It's not about the darkness that's around us. It's about the light that's within us. Each day we have a choice whether we're going to live in the reality of the grave or in the reality of the resurrection. As we look at this resurrection of Christ, I think there's a number of ways that this can transform, this event can transform our darkness into light. I'd like to look at three areas where the resurrection transforms or can transform our darkness into light. And the first is darkness to light in our identity. The resurrection can transform our identity. One of the biggest questions that we ask as human beings is the question, who am I? 
Now, some of us answer that question, who am I, with an answer that indicates our self-sufficiency. We feel like we have it all together. We're accomplished. We can achieve our goals. We don't feel like we need God all that much. We feel like we can handle things on our own. And the problem with that is when our, we build our identity on our own self and our own self-sufficiency, the problem with that is we're not self-sufficient. And it's kind of like a house of cars that we build ourselves up, and then when one thing falls, the whole house falls. It's like Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, the wise and the foolish builder. The wise man built his house on a rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. When the wind and the waves came, the house that was on the sand was washed away. So that's one way we can walk in darkness. But others of us, when we think about that question, who am I, maybe we feel like, Uh, That question has been answered for us already. Maybe we feel like that's been answered by things that have been done to us in our past or circumstances that have happened to us or maybe sin that we've done, things that we're ashamed of. Maybe some of us today, maybe we've experienced abuse in the past, maybe physical or emotional or sexual abuse. When we think about that question, who am I, maybe the answer that we have in our souls is I'm worthless. I'm unlovable. I'm ugly. Maybe some of us have had some bad things happen to us in our life, some difficult circumstances. We've lost loved ones way too soon. Maybe we've lost a job. Maybe we've lost our faculties. We're not able to do the things that we once did. Maybe when we think about that question, who am I, we answer I'm helpless or I'm not enough. Maybe some of us have done things in our past that we're ashamed of, things that maybe we've never even told somebody else. And when we think about that question, who am I, we'd say, I'm guilty. I'm broken. I'm terrible. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of the resurrection is we don't have to live in that identity anymore. We don't have to live in darkness anymore. Jesus rose from the grave and offers us a new identity. Theologians call it the great exchange. When we come to Christ, Christ takes our sin upon himself and gives us the gift of his righteousness. And so God not only forgives us, but he sees us like he sees his son. He considers us sons and daughters. So we say to ourselves, "I, I feel worthless. I feel unlovable. But Christ comes to us and said, I loved you so much that I paid the ultimate penalty. I died on the cross for you. We say, I, I feel like I'm helpless. I feel like I'm not enough. And Christ comes to us and says, that's good news, because I am enough. I'm strong when you are weak. I am there when you falter, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. We come and we say, well, I'm broken. I'm guilty. I'm flawed. And Christ comes to us and picks us up, and he says, I can make you whole. I forgive you. I've made you a son. I've made you a daughter of the king. The resurrection transforms our identity. We don't have to live in darkness any longer. And when we walk in darkness related to our identity, we're living in the grave. We're living based upon who we were rather than the reality of the resurrection, who Christ has made us to be. And so we don't need to walk in darkness any longer when it comes to our identity. But the second way that the resurrection transforms uh, our darkness to light is in terms of our morality. 
It says in the book of Romans, chapter 13, 12 to 14, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now when we think about morality, oftentimes we think of kind of an arbitrary rule or something that God says we shouldn't do and it's, it, he's, it, we shouldn't do it because he says it. You know, like when we were growing up and our parents told us not to do or, or to do certain things and we said, why, why, why? He said, because I, I said so. And sometimes we think that when it comes to the things that God tells us to do, it's just because he said so. Well, there's an element that's true in that. It's, he did say to do certain things and not to do certain things, but there's much more to it than that. See, God knows what things in our life will lead to darkness. He knows that when we engage in sin, things that are outside the bounds of what he's told us to do, it leads to more and more darkness. And he tells us to do certain things and not to do certain things, not because he wants to restrict us, not because he wants to take joy from us, but because he wants us to experience joy. He wants us to live life in the light. He wants us to live life the way that he intended it for it to be lived. But when we live in sin, we live in darkness, and it overtakes the goodness that God has in store for us. Steve Farrar sums it up well this way. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. Sin takes from us. It leads us into more darkness. And the only way to life, to light, is by following God's word and God's will. Thomas Merton once put it this way, Without virtue there can be no happiness, because virtues are precisely the powers by which we can come to acquire happiness without them. There can be no joy because they are habits which coordinate and provide an outlet for our natural energies and direct them to the harmony and perfection and balance. The unity of our nature with itself and with God, which must in the end constitute our everlasting peace. In other words, God wants us to find joy in him. And our bent as human beings, each and every one of us, have this proclivity to sin. We talked about it at Good Friday we have this tendency to choose the robber over the king, to choose things that are going to steal our joy, that are going to take things from us rather than to follow the king who's given everything to us. So how can we walk in darkness when it comes to our morality? There's two ways. First uh, John describes the first way. We can say that we don't have any sin. And John says if we say we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how far we progressed in godliness. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And I've met people who, you know, basically if you would meet them, you'd assume they're trying out to be part of the Trinity. They, they feel like they, they have it all together. They feel like they, they don't have anything they need to work on any longer. But John says if you say you don't have any sin, you're deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you. So that's the first way we can walk is darkness, is to pretend like we don't have any sin, ignore our sin. The second way is by living in unrepentant sin, just by uh, living in darkness, choosing to live that lifestyle. We know that we, what we should do, and yet we don't do it. And once again, when we live in darkness regard, in regards to our morality, we're living in the grave. We're living based on who we were, 
rather than who we are, who Christ has made us to be in light of the resurrection. So the third way that the resurrection transforms our darkness to light is in terms of our future. This last year, we've seen a lot of different research about different things, specifically a lot related to COVID-19. And it's funny how you'll have a researcher say one thing one day and then the next day say something else, and you don't know what to believe. But there's one thing that researchers are agreed upon. 100% of researchers agree that 100 out of every 100 people, 100% of people will die, each and every one of us. That's an encouraging thought, right? Have a great day. But how do we deal with that? How do we deal with our mortality, the fact that each and every one of us, everybody that we know, everyone that we love, will one day end up in the grave? Well, Paul talks about this, and he talks about a way that we can live in darkness in this regard, regarding our future. And he describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. He says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If we live in darkness regarding our future, we only live for today. We can only see today because there's no tomorrow. There's no hope of tomorrow. We become hedonists, living for the moment, living for pleasure. The comedian and actor Russell Brand once said this, My fear of atheism is, if, is that if there is nothing else, if this is all there is, the material, the mechanical, then why, why not individualism? then why not materialism? Then why not humanitarianism? Then why humanitarianism? It feels good because it's nice to be nice to people. But for me, without some sense of a deeper truth, for me, there's only hedonism. There's only indulgence. If we believe that our ultimate future is the grave, then why would we love those around us? At least when it comes to sacrificial love, things that cost us, that we're never going to be repaid for. Why would we do things that require sacrifice? Also, more importantly, why would we have peace? Why would we have joy? Because our end is the grave. We have an expiration date. Yet praise the Lord that at the dawn of the resurrection, death was defeated. And for those of us who are believers, we don't have to live in darkness regarding our future. We can live in the hope of the glorious resurrection. The same God who raised, us from the gra- raised Jesus from the grave will one day raise us from the grave. And darkness will not win. And for those of us who are believers in Christ, God has an incredible future for us. A future that's beyond compare. A future that no, none of us can even fathom or imagine. You go back to this image of light and darkness and The world began in darkness. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then God spoke, and he said, let there be light, and there was light, and the light was good. Remember that? And God brought light into the world, but again and again, mankind chose darkness. They chose the robber over the king. They chose darkness over the light. We all choose darkness over the light, and then God brought Uh, light to humanity. He was the light of the world. He came to the world, and yet darkness seemed to overtake him in the cross. Darkness reared its ugly head, but then three days later, he rose again from the grave, conquering sin and death once and for all, proclaiming hope and life to all. Then he called people, men, women, boys, and girls throughout history through his gospel out of darkness 
and into his life. And the future that God has in store for us is described in the book of Revelation as a future of light. Look at what it says in Revelation 22, 3-5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp, or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's the future that God has in store for those of us who are believers in Christ, a future of joy, a future of peace spent with God in his inapproachable light. See, when we live in darkness regarding our future, we're governed by the grave, once again, rather than the resurrection. The resurrection brings darkness to light in terms of our identity, brings darkness to light in terms of our morality, it brings darkness to light in terms of our future. But the question I'd like to leave with you today is, are you living in the grave or are you living in the reality of the resurrection? Maybe there's some here or some listening online who've never entered into a relationship with Christ. Maybe as I, as I go, went through those different areas of darkness, maybe you would say, that's me. I've been living in darkness. Maybe you've gone to church or done some religious things, but you feel like you're still walking in darkness. You feel like something needs to change, but honestly, sometimes it's hard to come to light. Sometimes it's difficult to come to light because it involves such a shift. There's a lady named uh, Nasifis, and Nasifis was an Afghani woman who was interviewed several years ago by the Chicago Tribune. And uh, the Taliban uh, used to require that the women in Afghanistan wear a, a burqa, you know, covering their whole body, and they'd just be able to see, uh, see out. And after the Taliban was removed from power, uh, this reporter was surprised that the, the women still walked around with, with the burqas, even though they weren't required to. And Nasifis gave an, an interesting telling response when she described why they still did that. She said, we've lived in darkness for so long that now we're afraid of the light. I think some of the, sometimes that happens to us as well. Maybe we've lived a certain way so long that we're afraid to change. We know that we need something to change. We know that we need to come to the, to the light, but we've come, become so comfortable with the darkness that we can't bring ourselves to the light. We've trusted in certain things for so long that we can't see ourselves changing our allegiance. But the good news is, Jesus doesn't call us to climb out of the darkness. Jesus doesn't call us to conquer the darkness. He's already conquered the darkness. All he asks us to do is accept his rescue. About 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago now, there was a big disaster in a Chilean mine uh, and there was 33 men who were trapped beneath the surface. Uh, the exit was closed, and they were unable to get out of this mine. And uh, NASA and engineers came in to try to do everything they could to save these men. But the clock was ticking because they had very little food. They were living on basically a couple of tablespoons of uh, tuna fish and a couple of other things every couple days. They were doing whatever they could to survive. And they started off digging a, a, a communication tunnel so they could talk to the people. 
And then they constructed this big submarine type thing, 13 foot long, built this shaft, and then brought, uh, sent that submarine down to, the, to, to where they were to bring these people out. On October 10, 2010, these men emerged from that dark cave. They were all different types of people. One was a great-grandfather. One was a 44-year-old man planning a wedding. One was a young 19-year-old. They came from all different backgrounds, but they had one thing in common. They all realized they needed to be rescued. See, none of them, when they opened up that communication chute, none of them called up to, to, the, to the people on the land and said, hey, we've got this covered. Or, hey, just send us a drill and we can take care of ourselves. No, all of them realized that someone had to come down into the darkness to pull them out. The same thing is true in our darkness. We can't claw our way out of the darkness. We can't conquer the darkness. But praise the Lord that Christ came down to pull us up out of that darkness. And all we need to do is accept that rescue. That's the essence of what faith is. It's not saying, oh, I've got it all figured out. It's not saying, oh, I'm going to fix up my life. It's saying, I've been living in darkness, and I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to bring me out to the light. If you're here, you've never entered into a relationship with Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. But others of us, maybe we're believers, and uh, we know that we know Christ, but we've been living in the darkness We've been living in the grave rather than in the reality of the resurrection. Maybe we've been doing that in regards to our identity. Maybe we're caught up in the sins of yesterday. And we're so ashamed of what we've done that we're unable to do what God is calling us to do today. We're living in the past. Maybe we're trying to live life on our own. Maybe we feel like we've, we've gone so far in our Christian journey that we've got it all taken care of and we're not trusting in God. Either way, we're living in darkness. Maybe some of us as believers, we're living in darkness in terms of our morality. Maybe we're doing things that are dishonoring to Christ, and we know that they're harming our relationship with others, harming our relationship with Christ, but we do them anyways. We're living in darkness rather than the light. Maybe some of us are living in darkness in regards to our future. Maybe we're living as if this is the only reality that matters. We're living a life of pleasure, just trying to, to, to fill ourselves up rather than to serve those around us, living in light of the, rea the reality of the resurrection. And no matter what type of darkness we may find ourselves in, we don't have to live there anymore. We don't have to live in the grave any longer. In this passage, 1 John 1, 9 says, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. And the resurrection changes everything. It doesn't matter what darkness is, is around us. only matters what darkness or what light is inside of us. And with Christ, we can live in hope. We can live with peace despite what's happening around us. One of the most famous pastors in the United States today is Rick Warren, uh, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, author of The Purpose Driven Life, one of the uh, top-selling books ever in, in Christian history. And he had some periods of darkness in his life. Uh, he had a 27-year-old son named Matthew, and Matthew struggled severely with depression and mental illness. And uh, his parents loved him. 
Rick and his wife loved their son so much. They did everything they could to help him. They took him to counseling, took him to psychiatrists, prayed for him, had other people praying for them. They cared so much about him, and yet at 27 years old, he gave in and, and took his own life. This was a period of great darkness, of course, for Rick Warren. And after that, people would ask him, how do you get through that? How do you have peace when you experience something so terrible? When you felt so helpless. Warren, Rick Warren said this. He says, I've often replied, the answer is Easter. He says, you see the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering and pain and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was the day of hope and joy and victory. And here's the fact of life. You'll face these three days over and over and over in your lifetime. And when you do, you'll find yourself asking, as I did, three fundamental, three fundamental questions. Number one, what do I do in my days of pain? Two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? Three, how do I get the days of joy and victory? He says the answer is Easter. The answer is Easter. Ladies and gentlemen, who knows what the future holds? Who knows what darkness is ahead of us? Praise the Lord. Christ is risen from the grave. We don't have to live in the grave any longer. We don't have to live in darkness anymore. Christ has conquered darkness once and for all. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you for your victory over death in the resurrection. We thank you for all that you do for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody here who's never entered into a relationship with Christ and would like to do so today, I'd invite you to pray a prayer, something like this, to God in your heart. It's, the words aren't as important as the reflection of your heart. But maybe say something like this to God in your heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I've been walking in darkness but I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again, conquering darkness. I need you to bring me to the light. I need you to make me whole. I need you to change my identity, to change my morality, to change my future. Please come into my life and make me new. I want to follow you. Lord, for anyone here who may have prayed that prayer, Lord. I pray that they would have the courage to follow after you. Lord, for those who are believers in Christ, Lord, we all have this tendency to run back to the grave, to live in light of the grave rather than the resurrection. And Lord, on this Easter Sunday, may this event that happened over 2,000 years ago be a reminder that we need to run to your light. That there's no joy in the darkness. There's no hope in the grave. But all joy, peace, and power is found in your resurrection. Help us to live in that reality today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.